Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you guys. Wow, you're alive, alert, awake, enthusiastic this morning. That is good. You know, I'm alive, alert, awake, enthusiastic. All right. Sorry, that's my ADHD mind. You got me going. Hey, my name's Aaron, one of the pastors here at Bridgewater, and we are really excited to be able to gather here today. Now, today is kind of a unique talk, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to warn you and, and prep you in advance, all right? If you are new here or just new to church in general, today may feel like a, a talk that you're like, ah, what is this all about? I'm going to be honest with you, I am going to talk very specifically and pointed, pointedly to people who would say, yes, I am sure about Jesus, and I'm all in with Jesus. If that is you here today, if you're a part of this church and, and you, you believe in Jesus, this, this message is really kind of designed for you. If you're here and you're not sure, that's okay. You get a, a, a totally free, guilt-free time to take a nap for about the next 25 minutes if you want. So you will not offend me if you do that. But there's a reason why I, I, I'm prepping you and telling you this um, in advance here today. Every now and then, I believe, I don't know if everybody looks at it this way, but I, I am convinced, because of some things in Scripture, I'm convinced that we need to have a talk as a church family that might end up in people not coming back. Okay? It might end up in people who would say they were Christians, but, but you know, don't like what we have to talk about here today. They, they might not come back. I do that because there are times in the New Testament, times in the first four books of the New Testament, we call them Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They detail for us the events of Jesus' life. And there were several times when Jesus would give very hard teachings, things where he would call people out and say, if you're really going to follow me, you will lay it all down. You will give up all these other pursuits. You will stop living as if life is all about you. And you will start living as if this life was actually a gift given by God that is actually all about God and his glory. And people fell away. And I'm convinced that if people stopped following Jesus when he taught them, there's definitely going to be times, because I am nowhere near as good as Jesus there are definitely going to be times where if I clearly declare what God's word says, you will go, mm, that's too hard. I'm, I don't want to give my life to that. Maybe I'm out. So don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to drive people away. But I want to be really, really clear that the teachings of Jesus may be quite difficult if you take them seriously. Okay? So that's what we're going to dive into. Everybody's super excited, and now you're like, oh, great, this is awesome. You guys ready? <laughs> okay, good. Well, here's the thing. Let me start off with a little story about me and um, something that, that, that kind of introduces where we're going to go today. I grew up going to church, okay? My mom uh, came to know Christ as a teenager, my dad kind of grew up in church, but it wasn't really his thing, which un uh, unfortunately is very common, I think, for a lot of guys, especially in our culture. The church really isn't their thing. 
But something happened. There were a group of guys in my home church who started praying, praying for my dad, praying for my mom, praying for me. I went to, uh, to vacation Bible school like this, you know. I went to Sunday school. I went to church. I heard about Jesus. And at the age of about six, I put my faith in Christ. And my dad trusted Christ that same year. And it changed a lot of things for our family. But I grew up in a, in a really um, kind of a closed-minded uh, church, and I grew up thinking that, that Christianity and church was all about just showing up and going to church. Like, as long as you show up, as long as you attend, you're here on Sunday. Well, back then it was like Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and all of, all of that stuff, you know? Um, as long as you did that, you were good, right? You know, because you, you checked the box and you, you, you did the things, and you were good. I, I kind of grew up thinking that. I grew up thinking that Christianity is all about attending. That's what I thought. Anybody ever felt that way before? You don't have to raise your hands. You, you can. That was kind of the tradition that I grew up in. And if you didn't attend, people got worried about you, right? You know, they'd start calling, are you okay? What's going on? You know, all, all that stuff. And it wasn't until I was in college and I actually sat down and I started reading the scriptures for myself that I began to find out something different. Let me just, I'm just going to read to you. I'm not even going to put it up here this morning. I'm just going to read to you some passages um, that, that impacted me greatly from the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 4, uh, one of the first places that I was reading and I, I go, hmm, Christianity is about something very different than what I originally thought. Um, I, I read this story about the believers in the book of Acts gathering and praying, and they were praying because um, Peter had been, uh, Peter and John had been taken and they were imprisoned, and they were gathering together like all the believers about, a, you, you know, there were 120 to start, and then they blossomed into like 3,000 in one day, and a bunch of them were gathering and praying, and, and they prayed and asked God to let, let you know, Peter and John go. It says this in, in Acts 4. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders throughout the, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God boldly. Boy, that was a little different than the kind of church gathering I grew up in. <laughs> goes on, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own. They all shared everything they had. Hmm. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. They gave up everything they had to take care of the people in need. It wasn't the government's responsibility. It wasn't welfare. It wasn't anything like that. It was just they paid attention to each other and took care of each other as if the things that they had didn't belong to them but belonged to God. Actually, I think I've read that someplace. This passage started to teach me that there was something different about Christianity than maybe what I had grown up with. Maybe God was calling us to something different. In fact, I think he is calling us to something different. 
We can describe it simply. He's describing us, or he's, he's calling us to follow him and to follow his way. In fact, I would say Christianity is all about following the way or the lifestyle of Jesus. And the reality is that if we look at what Jesus has called us to, it gets quite uncomfortable pretty quick. It does. See, the reality is that following Jesus isn't about attending or showing up in a service, and those things are good. We gather here to practice, to learn, to grow, but it is actually about something more than that. It's about doing. It's about doing what Jesus modeled, what he taught, and what he said. It's, it's a call to join the lifestyle of Jesus, to lay our lives down for the people around us. Now, if you're anything like me, that's fine and dandy as long as the people that I'm supposed to lay my life down for are like my wife because she's awesome and I love her. Some days my children, okay? Can, can we just be honest for a minute? But then there's a whole lot of other people that I struggle with liking or loving, and I struggle with the idea of taking what's been entrusted to me and laying it down for the good of somebody else. Anybody else? You don't have to raise your hand. <laughs> Today, what I want to do is I want to walk you through two passages of Scripture that demonstrate the call of Jesus into a lifestyle of, of following him and serving and laying our lives down for something bigger than just me. Because I am not the star of, of the movie of my life. I have a very, very small cameo appearance. The movie is not about me. The movie is about God. And if you are here and you are a Christ follower, the movie is not about you. Your life is not about you and getting whatever you can out of it. It is about God. And sometimes that's a hard pill to swallow. Because I want my life to be about me. Now, these passages give us clarity into what our lives should be all about. I'm going to take you to one that may be very familiar to you. If it's not, that's fine. It's in the book of Matthew. So if you have your Bible, open up to Matthew. If, by the way, if you don't have a Bible, we want to make sure that everybody does have a Bible. So right out in the foyer, there are Bibles. They are free. You can take them, please. If we run out, we'll get more because we want you to have a Bible for yourself. But in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus lays out some very clear instructions for us about what our lives should be focused on. Matthew 28 at the end. Let me show you what it says. Starting in verse 18, it says, And Jesus came to them and said, let me back up, what, what, what happened before this, okay? Right before this, Matthew describes Jesus' death, his violent death on a cross, which, by the way, took all of his followers by complete surprise. They thought he was going to be like king and like, ah, I'm taking over. And that is not what he did. Instead of taking over by force, he laid his life down. He was crucified. He was buried. 
He was in that grave for three days. The grave was sealed. The Romans made sure of it. They put guards outside. And on the third day, the guards were scared out of their minds because God rolled the stone away and Jesus came out alive. And then he spent time with his disciples. And he talked with them about what their lives were supposed to be built upon. And he, he, he said this to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Boy, if there's any question about who is in charge, I, I promise you it is not the President of the United States. Can, can I just tell you, we don't have to get all up in arms about who gets elected as president. We should care. We should vote. But we don't have to get all up in arms. You want to know who's in charge? <laughs> all authority. We should care. We should vote about the, the Senate and Congress. We should care about the Supreme Court. We should, we should care about, but we don't have to get all up in arms and all freaked out. Oh, no, what's ever going to happen? Because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. If there's any question as to who's in charge, it's Jesus. If there's any question as if to who's in charge in your life, it's Jesus. It's not your boss. Certainly not your kids. <laughs> it's not your spouse. It's certainly not you or me. It's Jesus. So if Jesus is in charge, then what do we do? Well, here's what he says. He goes on in verse 19. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Then in verse 20, he continues on the same sentence and says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. So let me back up to verse 19 for a second. Verse 19 tells us, we are to go and make disciples of all nations. If you are a Christ follower, making disciples or helping other people know and grow in Jesus is not optional. Can I make that more plain? Okay. It's not an extra credit. It's not a, oh, look at you. You get a gold star today, Johnny. I know I'm being a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but I'm doing it on purpose because we kind of act like that. We kind of act like, like the people who are really supposed to help other people know Jesus are kind of pastors and missionaries. When in reality, Jesus was taking 12 ordinary men, ordinary men just like me, ordinary people just like you, and saying, here's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to have people in your home. You're supposed to do life with other people. You're supposed to orient your life as if it's not about you, but it is about making Jesus known. You're to orient your life in such a way that you can help other people begin to follow Jesus. That's big. It's big because the culture tells you, 
Here's what you're here for. You're here to get the best job you can, make the most money you can, so you can get to retirement and go play. And I will tell you, you will get to the end of your life and you will have wasted it. Because you'll stand and give an account. And you'll give an account because God has entrusted things to you, gifts and abilities, finances. He's entrusted all sorts of things to you. And you'll give an account and you'll hand it back over and you'll say, hey, guess what I did with everything you gave to me? I buried it. I lived for myself. But I, I, here I'm giving it back to you. And he'll say, what have you been doing? And I don't want you to stand before the Lord and have him say, what have you been doing. You see, Jesus calls us to follow him. And here's what you need to know. Following Jesus means making disciples. Following Jesus means that I am going to take my life and orient it in such a way that I am helping other people know and grow in Jesus. Maybe those other people are my kids on occasion, yes. I need to orient my home life in that way. Sometimes those other people are the people that I work with. Sometimes they are the people in my neighborhood. Sometimes they are just people that I run into at the grocery store or the gas station or who knows where. But the reality is the focus of my life as a Christ follower is plain and simple. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And, oh, by the way, when you get scared, when you're unsure, I am with you. This is a hard teaching because everything else in our culture tells you to live for yourself. Entertain yourselves to death. Why? Because that's the good life. <laughs> Go on vacations all the time, anytime you can. Do whatever you want. Spend your money however you want. That is what the world tells us. And Jesus says, that is not the mindset of a legitimate Christ follower. A legitimate Christ follower realizes that their goal is to make Disciples. What is a disciple? It's a learner. It's a follower, a learner of Jesus. Now, let me just share with you a couple observations from the text back in Matthew 28, verses 19, uh, 18 through, through 21 there, okay? Here's what he says. He says very clearly, um, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So, first and foremost, you need to know Jesus is in charge, Okay? And he is with us. Because at the end of the passage it says, And lo, or don't forget, by the way, I'll be with you even until the end of the age. Okay? So I, I, I remind you of this because I just want you to know, like Jesus is in charge of your life. Around here we say this all the time. We say when you, when you trust Christ, you are trusting him as the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. What that means is if someone is your leader, they get to call the shots. 
Can, can I just share something interesting with you? I, I'm 42 years old, and I, this is the first time in my adult life that I have h- human bosses. I, I've been the lead pastor of a church for almost 20 years, ran my own business. Now I'm here, and I have bosses, and guess what they get to do? They get to tell me what to do. And, and they do. Do I wrestle with that? Yeah. Is it at times like, oh, I would do, yeah. It's the same thing with Jesus. Jesus gets to tell you what to do. Do I wrestle with it? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. But he's in charge. And he'll never leave you. And he'll never forsake you. Second, the main command in this text is to make disciples. So it says, Therefore, go and make disciples. That word go is actually a, a modifier. It's, uh, in, in the English language, we call it a participle. It's the idea of it modifies the main verb. Okay? The main verb is to make disciples. So the thing that we're to be all about is making disciples. And how do we do that? Well, the good news is the text is really clear. We do that by going, we do that by baptizing, and we do that by teaching. We are to live our lives with an eye to watching out for people who need to know him. As you are going is probably the best way to translate that particular word, go. As you are going, as you're going to work, as you're driving down the road. That's where we get road rage, right? (laughs) Now, maybe, maybe we use our time to start praying and praying for opportunities, you know? As you are going to school, whether you're in college or in high school or middle school or whatever it may be, as you are going, start paying attention to people who don't yet know Christ or maybe other believers that need some encouragement. I wonder what would happen if all the people in this room would start looking around and asking God, God, who can I serve today? Can you imagine what would happen? 200 people literally got up and said, God, who can I serve today? The, the amount of, you know, power that could be found in a group like that, moving to use their gifts and abilities, their, their, their time, their talent, their treasure, to impact other people would be immense. And it wouldn't take long for this entire area the triple cities, Vestal, even going further out to Sayer, Newark Valley, Barton, wherever it, wherever it would be, to, for, for people to know that God was doing something amongst us if we were a people who would say, yep, I'm going to pay attention. God, who can I serve? Who can I point to you today? That would be incredible. So I just want to ask you, who do you see on a regular basis? What about the people you work with, the neighbors you have, the, the, the people that you run into regularly? Do you think God put them there by mistake, or they were put there by mistake? I don't. God put them there for a reason, and he wants to use you to help them know Jesus. Second, when people trust Christ, we talk about going public with our faith. That's the idea of baptism. 
If you're here today and you're, you, you'd say, well, man, I'm, I'm curious about this whole baptism thing. Can I just tell you, we're, we are going to have another baptism in, in August. August, I believe it's August 13th. It's coming up. We've had, what, 20 people this year already be baptized right up here. Amen? Praise God for that, right? Okay. We are praying. We've seen 22 people trust Jesus here so far this year. We are praying that we would see up to 30 or more. Listen, I have no clue what God can and will do if we will partner with him. So if, if you're here and you've never been baptized, I tell you, now's the time. Baptism doesn't save you, but it's an outward sign that you have trusted Jesus. Not only that, you notice that when people get baptized up here, I, I don't baptize hardly any of them. I, I don't know how many people I've baptized in the last year, maybe five or six, and we've probably had 30 baptisms in, in, in the last year, you know? What if you could impact somebody else and be involved in their baptism? How cool would that be? To baptize your child, your friend, your neighbor, your coworker. How cool would that be? Right? You know? So we get involved in that. And then we're teaching. And it's not just teaching like getting up here and, and doing this. You don't have to come up here and do this. Oftentimes it's just spending time with somebody, sitting down, studying the Bible together, reading it together, having conversations, teaching them to obey everything that he has commanded us. One of the things I love that we have going on here right now is we have uh, several foundations groups going on. One of our guys, Jeff Rosevere, is leading a foundations group for, with, with several, new, uh, several guys who've recently trusted Christ. We have, we've had another group going on that I know Gene uh, has been leading with, with a, a woman who's trusted Christ recently. Listen, I don't think either one of them probably want to come up here and start teaching, per se, but they are helping somebody else along the way. They're helping to teach them how to follow Jesus. Our kids' ministry is teaching kids how to follow Jesus. What if you started saying, you know what, one or two Sundays a week, or uh, one or two Sundays a week, yeah, whew. It's, it's been a long week. One or two Sundays a month, I, I want to get involved in serving. We're going to two services here in September. What if you started helping with kids? What if you started helping with the youth ministry and investing in the teens who, by the way, the world is like screaming at them and telling them all kinds of things that are op- the opposite of what God's Word said. What if you said, you know what, I'm just going to listen to a teen and let them know that I care. You'd be helping them grow in Jesus. This is what we are called to do. Now, let me just kind of summarize this section and then I'll move on to to the the next passage I want to share with you. So if you are a follower of Jesus, there are certain moves that you're going to be involved in, okay? Here's what I would call the, the, the follower moves. 
Number one, you're going to be building relationships with other people. Number two, you're going to be pointing those people toward Jesus, okay? If you want to know what a real follower of Jesus does, this is it. And number three, you're going to be using your gifts to help others grow. I know that there's a you know, there's a perception that real Christians, they, they point their finger and look down their nose at everybody else. Can I just tell you, we need to be the antithesis of that. We need to be the opposite of that. This is what we are to be. Build real, meaningful relationships with people. Invest in them and tell them about Jesus and let Jesus do the work. And number three, Whatever gifts, whatever abilities you have, just use them to serve somebody and help somebody else grow. So, following Jesus isn't just about attending. Following Jesus means making disciples. Now, let me take you to another passage of Scripture, and if you have a Bible and you want to look at it for yourself, you can turn back a few pages to Matthew chapter 21. If you want to just see it here on the screen, I'll have it for you. We're going to start in verse 28, and I'll tell you this passage is difficult. Here's what it says. It says, what do you think? This is Jesus speaking, by the way. Jesus is in the middle of being, being questioned. His authority is being questioned by the people of Israel. Jesus came as the Messiah, and the people of Israel are like, eh, we don't want anything to do with you. And they're like, prove to us that you really have the authority you know, to teach all of these things. And Jesus is going to show them what it looks like to be a real follower of his, a real follower of God. Because they've been saying, we're God's people. We've got God on our side. And he's saying, don't be so sure. Don't be so sure. This is a good passage to kind of evaluate myself and to evaluate yourself. He says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. Okay. He went to the first and he said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. Now, let's just imagine for a minute. We're going to use our imagination. It's hot. It's humid. Apparently hot here is like 90 degrees. That is foreign to me. 90 degrees is not hot. Okay? Can we just be clear? Just like we don't say Aldi's here, we, we say Aldi. There's no S on it. Okay? Right? And, and, and the Northeast doesn't have good barbecue. Okay? Kansas City. Right? Let, let, sorry. I'm sorry. Let's just be clear that 90 degrees isn't that hot, okay? 100, 105, now we're talking. It's a hot day. It's humid. And the older son says, ain't nobody got time for that. I don't want to be outside. Come on, Dad. Why you got to be like that? And so he says to his dad, I will not. But then later he changed his mind and he went. Later he went and did what his dad asked him to do. Now, there's another brother, I'm going to say probably the younger brother, um, seeing as I'm the oldest and uh, yeah. The father went to the other son, probably the younger son, and he said the same thing. 
He said, go out in the vineyard and work. It's hot, but I, we need this done. And the other brother answered, I will, sir. He's all respectful and I'll do the thing. Actually, that's probably more of an older brother answer, to be honest. Uh, he says, I will, sir. And then what does he do? But he did not go. So here's the question, okay? Which of the two did what his father wanted? That's what Jesus asked. By the way, Jesus is not interested in having conversations about who's going into the vineyard and working. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about who legitimately follows God. Who legitimately follows God? Who can legitimately say, yep, we're with God and God is with us. I'm following him. Who, who legitimately follows God? Well, they answered. All of the people there. Remember, it's the Israelites who thought they belonged to God. And Jesus is saying, eh, don't be so sure. Don't be so sure. And by the way, I think in some ways this passage needs to be applied to the American church. Don't be so sure. You show up here? Good. I'm glad. We gather here, like I said, to practice and learn from God's word so we can go out and do the game. Real life. Okay? I'm glad you're here, but please do not assume that because you are here, you're with God, and He's with you. Look at what He says. Which of the two did what His Father wanted? Well, the people answered. They said, the first, you know, and that's, that's right, and the text, there's, there's more, and I'll get to it here in a minute because there's a huge surprise with it, okay, but... Yes, the people who do what the Father asked are the ones that belong to Him. Are we telling you that the way you get in with God is by doing X, Y, Z? No, that's not what I'm telling you. We are saved by grace through faith, but a real faith will change your life. And it means that my life needs to be oriented in a way where I am following Jesus. Here, here's what Jesus is saying, I think. Jesus is saying this, I want followers, not fans. Can, can I explain that for a minute? What does a fan do? Not the, not the, not that, okay? Just, just be clear. Sorry. What does a fan do? A couple, a couple thoughts about, about fans, okay? Fans, um, they, they show up and cheer or boo. They go to the event. They cheer if things are going well, you know. Some people here went to root for the Yankees. Ugh. Why would you root for the Yankees? I don't know. But they cheer or they boo, and then what? Then they go home. That's what a fan does. A fan does not put in the work, go to practice, do the things that need to be done to ensure that the game is won. They have no impact literally on the outcome of the game. Unless, of course, you're at a Nebraska game where there's 90,000 fans who are cheering and we help the team win. Okay, that's... Okay, sorry. On the other hand, followers do something. They, they practice, they put in the work. To grow. They let the Holy Spirit of God change them. They serve. 
They're involved in that making disciples, the going, baptizing, and teaching. Fans, on the other hand, show up depending on how well the team is doing. By the way, this is true in the church too, because if people start to hear that, oh man, what's happening at this church is awesome, lots of fans show up. They're like, oh, this is cool. What a cool environment. I want to be there. And that's fine. The followers, they show up and serve and they keep serving no matter what because the mission is imperative. They know that people are lost and dying and without hope. They know that there really is a place called heaven. There really is a place called hell. And the reality is that every single person who has ever lived will spend eternity in one of those two locations. And the only thing that makes a difference is Jesus. So we serve. We serve our community. We love on lost people. We love on people who, who are different than us and see the world differently and see every political spectrum and every question about life and, and, and sexuality and who knows what. They see it different maybe than you do, but we love them and serve them because we are mandated to by Jesus. Jesus is looking for followers not fans. And if you're here and you your life is characterized by being a fan, like you show up when it's, you know, if things are going well and you cheer or you boo if you don't and if 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 that's you, I would urge you today is the day to step across the line and to put some skin in the game to start serving, to get involved, to start making disciples. Today is the day to step across the line. Followers keep serving because the mission is Imperative. Now let me show you how the text ends in Matthew 21. Back in verse 31, he says this, Which of the two did what the father wanted? Well, the first, they answered. And Jesus said to them, here's where it gets really controversial, okay? Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. Who is he talking to? He is talking to the Pharisees, the Sadducees. He's talking to the religious elite, and he's saying, People who you look down your nose at are entering the kingdom of heaven, and you are not. Why? Because they saw their need, they trusted Jesus, and they started following. Jesus started changing their lives. Verse 32, for John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. He's talking about John the Baptist, and John was calling people, everyone to repent and realize without Jesus, there's no hope. Without acknowledging our sin and our need, there's no hope. And all the religious elite thought they were good. Why? Because they showed up and they attended, and they read, and they studied, and they did all the great. But if it doesn't change your life, it is meaningless. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. Jesus showed up and he changed their lives. Even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. So here's what I want to ask you, okay? All of that to lead us to one very simple question. What about you? What about you? Are you a follower? Are you a fan? You show up when it's convenient. You do what, eh, yeah, this sounds like fun. I'll go do that. Okay, cool. 
Or have you built your life around Jesus? Jesus at the, is at the center. The goal is to use your life to glorify him. That's the question. This is the reason that we constantly have so many opportunities for people to serve and to come and practice here so you can go out in the community and do it as well. This is why we do Be the Church Sunday. This is why we gather one Sunday at least per year to go out into the community and get involved. You don't have to have any special skills. You don't have to. All you have to do is to say, you know what? Jesus loves our community, so I'm going to love our community because I'm a follower of Jesus. That's it. And we practice it this way one Sunday a year so that you know what to do in your neighborhood. So that you know what to do at your job site. So that you know what to do with your in-laws even if they're hard to love, so that you know what to do when people hurt you. We still serve. So I want to invite you. I'm going to give you a very simple way to apply today's sermon. It's very simple. The, the reality is we could talk about all kinds of things. We could talk about whether or not you're going you're to go, nope, that's too hard because I'll be honest with you, if you are not wrapping your life up around making disciples, I am not convinced that you're a follower of Jesus. If you are not wrapping your life up around obeying Jesus and listening to the Spirit of God and letting Him change you, I'm going to be honest with you, I, and you don't have to convince me. It doesn't matter if I'm convinced, but I'm not convinced. I'm telling you, neither is Jesus. I'm going to give you a simple way that next Sunday you can practice what Jesus tells us will prove your heart. A simple way to serve. So here's what we're going to do. Next Sunday, show up on Sunday, not at 10, but at 9.30. We usually gather at 10. When we move to two services, we'll be gathering. We'll have a 9 a.m. service, and we'll have a 10.45 service, okay? But next Sunday, we are going to meet here at 9.30, okay? We're going to get involved in different projects, and we're going to go out into our community. You do not have to, you know, um, if, if you're not mobile, that's fine. You can be here and serve, Okay? You can be here. There's all kinds of things that you can do. When you get here, you're going to get a t-shirt, okay? You're going to get one of those. Uh, I think we saw some, some pictures of those earlier today, the, the orange t-shirts. You're going to get a t-shirt, and you'll get to be involved in a project. You can sign up for one today. They're all out there in the foyer. There may even be some extras next week. Listen, you do not have to have any skills. You, it, I mean, if you have some skills, cool, awesome. Let us know. You know, I mean, you know, bow hunting skills and nunchuck skills. No, I'm kidding. Sorry. You don't have to have any skills. You can show up and get involved. We're going to go and we're going to clean up the rail trail for the city. We're going to, um, we're going to be helping a, 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 
an older woman right here in our community who has a, she heats by wood and she um, can't get her firewood split. We're going to go and do that. There's going to be mowing taking place. There's going to be, you know, um, things happening here. We're going to go to a couple nursing homes. We're going to be giving a free car wash in the community. So you can literally work at the car wash, okay? You can do all of that, yeah. Dan, you're welcome. That's, yeah, okay. And then afterwards, we'll have a free lunch from 12 to 1. Now, let me leave you with this. I want to show you what happens when we do this, and I can show you in living color. I want you to meet my friend Angie. There it is, okay. This is Angie, her two boys, uh, John and Josh, and... um, I, all of a sudden, why did her daughter's JC? This is her. This is her daughter JC. We met JC. We met Angie 15 years ago, when at a church, another church that I was pastoring, we went out and we did something very similar to be the church. We would go out and do that several times a year. Angie was a single mom, walking through a really, really hard time. If I'm honest, and if she were honest, she would tell you this. She had she had made some bad choices. Some choices that hurt her and hurt her, her life and her kids and her situation. But we, we found out about her. And we went and we, we um, completely gutted her house and rebuilt it because she was about to have JC and she didn't have a, a, a room that had any insulation that would keep JC warm during the winter. So we gutted the house. We found out that, that it needed to be rewired. We had an electrician in our church. We rewired the house. We insulated it. We helped rebuild it. We took down trees that were ready to fall on our house. We did a number of things. When JC was born, Angie came to know the Lord, went public with her faith. Didn't know the Lord at this time went public with her faith later. Her mom came to know the Lord. Her mom just passed away a couple of months ago. Her aunt, I think I told many of you about her aunt. Her name was Pixie. If you remember hearing that story a while back, her aunt came and she came to know Jesus. Why? All because a group of people said, we're followers of Jesus, so we serve. That's who we are. And God used it and allowed us to make disciples. I just wonder who God will use you and use us to impact so that there'll be more stories just like Angie's. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your word and the truth in it. Thank you that you call us to do hard things. You invite us in to laying our lives down, literally saying, listen, I need less of me and I need more of you. God, I pray that that would be true of us. And my my goal is not for anyone to fall away, but I want to be clear. You have called us to make disciples and to stop letting the culture disciple us. So God, please change us and use us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.